Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. I would invite you, if you would, to stand with me. We're going to read more scripture. I'm thankful for the founts leading us through our Advent reading. I would invite you, uh, if you would like, to join me in reciting this passage. I always love doing this together as we look to the Word of God. We're in Genesis chapter 16 this morning, beginning in verse 1. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her, I can build a family. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife for him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years. He slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Earlier this week, we had Angie Colvin's funeral uh, on Monday, and some of you all know Angie, and have Jake and uh, his mom here today, and um, one of the I guess you, you would say a bright moment in, in such a, a sad and, and tragic loss uh, was that one of Angie's friends came up here and shared, and I didn't know this friend, but had been friends with them back when they were in Colorado. And over the course of years, Angie had shared with this friend about Christ, and the girl basically was saying that there was no way anyone would have expected at kind of where she was at that place in time uh, when Angie began sharing with her that she would ever come to to faith. It was a very different life and, and very different outlook in a lot of different ways. And yet she got up here and we had an open mic time and several people shared just their memories from Angie's life and the impact she had. And she shared that she had been baptized the day before, that the funeral was on Monday and that the Sunday, the day before that she had been baptized, that she had trusted Christ and Angie, even through her cancer and the past several months, had continued to reach out and to share. And I thought about that a lot through the course of this week. It, it really impacted me, obviously, on Monday at the ceremony, but just was thinking about it through the course of the week. And I thought about it alongside of the focus that we're having for this Advent sermon series. And we're calling this the fullness of time based on the promise that it was in the fullness of time that God sent his son. And so as we're thinking about time, as we're thinking about how God works in time, uh, I think that's such a a display of God working in his time. Angie actually didn't even get to see. She, She didn't even get to see the baptism fully. She didn't get to see how it all played out. But she was faithful in sharing and praying. And over the course of years, over a long period of time, God worked. And I think in our lives, 
we go through seasons where we have to wait. We go through seasons where we, we want things to happen quickly. And we expect that there's a certain pace that things will happen. And, and it can be very difficult when God is not operating according to our pace, right? And we're going to consider that this morning from Genesis 16. Last week, we looked at the call to trust in God's promise. And we saw that God had called Abram to leave his home and his family. And God promised to bless him with descendants more numerous than the stars. Uh, but today we're going to talk about God's pace with that. And we're going to see how there, was, there had been a lot of time that had passed since God made that promise. But in our lives, how do we handle situations where things are not happening on our pace, on the timing that we expected? So maybe for some people, uh, it's with thinking about Angie and that deal, a, a friend or a loved one maybe that we've shared the good news of Jesus with, and just nothing's happening, and years have gone by. But maybe it's a situation in our life, maybe some of you are or have been in a place of, of wanting to have a baby, and that not happening. Uh, maybe it's a, a situation where you uh, wanted to be at a certain status in your career, and uh, that just isn't happening according to the time that you expected. And, and so in these seasons, maybe you can identify, or maybe, maybe it's a health issue. I think uh, I can think of folks in our church that I know we've been praying through health issues with, and it's just not changing. It's not getting better. It's not turning around. And as we think about this, how do we, how do we deal with these situations where we continue to have to wait, and it doesn't seem like, God is doing anything, or it doesn't seem like anything is happening. Well, from our text this morning in Genesis 16, I want us to first consider the calling to surrender our timing to God's timing. Surrender our timing to God's timing. So we read in verse 1, Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne any children for him. And so this was this expectation that she would have a child with Abram and they're at this place where she hasn't had any children. And in verse three, we get a little more clarity on the timing. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for 10 years. Now, we don't know exactly how much time has passed since God had initially called Abram and he had given him this promise, but we know that it's been at least 10 years, right? And when God had called Abram and Sarai, just throw this out there. Anybody know how old Abram was when God called him? 75, right? He was 75, Sarai 10 years younger, 65. So now, quick math, how old is Abram? At least 85, right? You guys are sharp. And Sarai is at least 75. Man, killing it. So we're thinking about these ages, and we're talking about having a baby, right? And even though we know people live longer and different things, still, this is an impossibility from a natural standpoint. And so you could understand when you're sitting there at 85 and 75, and again, 10 years have passed since this promise was made, you could understand how you would begin to ask questions. There would begin to be doubts. There would 
begin to be uh, thoughts that we're going to see of, okay, maybe, maybe this needs to happen a different way. Maybe, maybe there was something that we were supposed to do that God uh, somehow didn't let us in on. And, and I think that, uh, sorry, a little transition here. I think that for me, there is a, there's a way in which we all deal with expectations. We all deal with expectations for things to happen at a certain speed. So recently, there was a sequel to Top Gun that came out. Did anybody see the Maverick movie? Okay, a few of y'all saw it. So in the original Top Gun, which came out in 1986, when I was three, that line that was so memorable was Tom Cruise said, I feel the need, the need for speed. Awesome. You guys know it. So I feel the need. Is there anybody who would say, I am that person. I feel a need for speed. I don't like things to go slowly. I don't like things to, uh, you know, make me have to wait. And we, not only do we have people who are more wired that way, but we live in a culture, all of us, that is a culture of speed. Things happen incredibly fast. And just to, just to consider how we have these expectations of things happening so fast, I want you to imagine for a second, what if it took you 10 minutes to log into the internet? Now, how many of you all remember when it took 10 minutes to log into the internet, right? How, how would you react if it took 30 minutes to deliver a text message. Right? Remember when we didn't have text messaging at all? Or imagine if when you ordered that Amazon purchase, if it took two weeks to deliver that to your door instead of the two hours, right? That some of you literally can order something here, please don't do this right now, and get home from lunch and have it, you know, sitting here. But imagine if it was back to two weeks. Well, all of these are things, again, that in the proper time would not have been unusual. That would have been completely normal. And in those seasons, in those timings, did people feel impatient? Did you, do you remember feeling like, man, this is so slow? No, it was just how the world worked. You were amazed that you could actually log on to something called the internets or whatever it was. There was a way in which the, the expectations of the world were different. But now we have the need for speed. We have the expectation. We know that it's possible. And so it feels like we need it to happen. And there are ways in which these expectations crowd into our lives. So there's an expectation that you're going to be married by 30, let's just say. Maybe that's in the culture. Maybe that's in your family. Uh, my brother was just married the last summer and he got a lot of pressure from <laughs> from my family on you know the the timing that it took so maybe there's that expectation or or maybe there's an expectation that you're going to be a certain place in your career whatever that is by the time you're 50 and you feel that expectation what is that like what is it like when you are the person who's not at whatever that expectation is by that point in your life. Frustrating. Yeah. Discouraging. 
Now, is there any written law or any biblical text that gives ages when certain things should happen? No, other than circumcising a Jewish baby, right? There's not a certain expectation of when things should happen by a certain age. And yet, those expectations hold so much power. Just think about that. How, in our lives, how much of our frustration, how much of our disappointment, how much of maybe our anger comes from expectations that either we or others have that aren't met. I would say it's a lot. I would say it's a pretty high percentage of the frustration that we have. We expect another person to do X or they expect us to do Y. And there's so much difficulty and and pain that comes from that. And, And again, these are not expectations that God has set. And, and I have seen so many, and I've experienced this in my own life as well, but I've seen so many people who, even though it's killing them, even though it's eating them alive, even though it's causing so much pain, they refuse to surrender those expectations. We refuse to let go of the expectations of how things should go. And we're doing that to our own detriment, right? We're doing that to our own destruction, but it's like our pride won't let us release these expectations that we have. And I think we see in, in Sarai, we see expectations of when this should happen. And yet there was no part of God's promise or God's word to them that gave any age or any amount of time. And so I believe the call that we see in this text is to surrender these expectations of timing to the timing of God. Secondly, not only do we surrender our timing to God's timing, but we surrender our ways to God's ways. Look at verse 2. Sarai said to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Now, who is at the center in Sarai's mind? She is, right? And who is preventing her from doing what she should be doing? God, think about that. <laughs> She's the one who's in charge, and yet God, how dare he, is preventing her from doing what she would expect to be doing. And, and this is something that, that happens in our own lives. It's easy to point at somebody in the scriptures where we put ourselves in the place of God. We put ourselves in a seat that only God should occupy. And, and we hand God, once again, our expectations, or we, we hand God a timeline or how he should operate. And, and yet, what we see is because she, Sarai, uh, Sarah, with an I, uh, Sarai, if, because she has put herself in this place of responsibility, who now is responsible for making this happen? She is. And so here's her plan. Go to my slave, Perhaps through her, I can build a family. Once again, who's building the family? She is. So she concocts this plan. God's is not working. He's not obviously on the same page. And so now she's figured out another way around this. Um, and, And this is her running the show. 
and wanting to do things her way. And I think I want to consider what we looked at last week about time, just to, to consider what's taking place here. There are two words we saw from the, in the Greek for time. The first one is chronos. And chronos is time as a measurable resource, right? So this is, again, this is your wristwatch. This is your iPhone. This is your agenda or your schedule. This is human time that can be measured and somehow owned at some level in our minds by us. But then there's another word for time, which is kairos. And, and let me just put it this way. This, let's just call it God's time. Let's say Kronos is our time, our plan, our agenda, our schedule. Kairos is God's time. This is an appointed time. It's an appointed season. It's something that, again, we have no control over. We're not preparing for. It just happens. It's an opportunity that just comes about without any amount of preparation on our end. And I think what Sarai is doing, and it's something, again, that I think we can do, is she is trying to fit Kairos into Kronos. She's trying to take God's time and opportunities that she's not capable of bringing about and, and forcing them into her timing and her ability to control. I want us to consider the words of Psalm 127. This is one of the Psalms that I love and, and think about often, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain, you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Think about that. Again, we saw in the verse, Sarai was trying to build her family. She was trying to make things happen her way, according to her plan and her timing. And yet, the calling, the clear calling of Scripture is we have to, in humility, acknowledge God's the only one. That's, that's ultimately able to accomplish things that are, that are going to last, that are of value according to his time and his ways. Third and finally, we must surrender our plans to God's plan. So we've looked at Sarai. We've seen her problems in different ways. But is Abram innocent in all of this? No, he's absolutely part of the problem. And, and we're going to see more of what that looks like. So when Sarai comes up with this plan, I'm going to take my Egyptian slave, Hagar, and I'm going to give her to you, and you're going to have a child with her. What are some ways that Abram could have responded? No. <laughs> right? Just straight up. That's simple. Think about this. Could he have reassured her of his love for her, whether or not she had a child? Could he have reassured her of God's love for her? Could he have reminded her of God's promise and God's completely unbounded power, completely unlimited ability to bring about his purposes? Right? These are all options. (laughs) Starting with yours, no. These are all options that are on the table that could have had a very different outcome in the midst of this. But instead... Abraham simply agrees. He simply goes along with the plan that is concocted. So, verse 3, So Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife for him. Now, 
what is happening in the text, and a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we were going through Genesis, and I shared this with you, but because you probably have slept a few times and forgotten, this is the exact same Hebrew, the the sentence structure that we have is the exact same Hebrew wording as one that comes in the beginning of our scriptures in Genesis, in Genesis 3, verse 6. Speaking of Eve, when it says, so she took some of its fruit and ate it, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and she, and he ate it. It's the exact same language with Sarai taking Hagar and giving her to Abram. And so this structure that we have, she took blank in Eden with Eve, it was what? Fruit. Now that we're dealing with Abram and Sarai, it's what? Her slave, right? Hagar. And she is giving this woman, just as Eve gave the fruit to her husband. And in the midst of this, we see the the same problem that we saw in the fall. And we're going to see the way that the outcome, it's, it's another fall in essence, Uh, The same destruction, the same division, the same brokenness that comes from this. Verse 4, he slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. And we're going to see, if we continue reading through Genesis 16, how it gets worse and worse. There is more and more brokenness. There's more and more division. There's more and more anger and bitterness between Sarai and Hagar. And this is how this is how things work out in a world like what we see Sarai when you are forcing your agenda. You're forcing a plan, you're forcing a certain outcome. She had the ability to take certain steps from a natural standpoint or what the scripture would call the flesh, right? The flesh, we think about it as like a, a really bad thing, but it's just natural. It's just It's the abilities that we have, the personality that we have, the desires that we have. And so based on that, Sarai took the steps that she could, and she brought about an outcome at one level. There was a child that was born. And yet, the ultimate outcome was completely different than she ever would have imagined. Have you ever had an experience in your life when you force something and you actually got an outcome that you never would have dreamed. Like you never thought, oh, this can go really badly. In the moment, you just see, here's how I can make this happen because I want it to happen. And yet, you never see the way that there's destruction and brokenness that ultimately comes out of that. And, and I think all of us, in one way or another, have experienced this. And, and this is the reality. We can't, as humans, control outcomes. We can't. We are not God. We cannot control outcomes. And this is something that we see with Sarai. It brings about all of these wrongs, right? Her plan brings about it's wrong to Hagar. We see that clearly. It's not treating her with dignity as a human being that has value, that matters. It's totally treating her as an object. And it is using her in this scheme to just bring about what she wants, which is a child. And ultimately, think about this. Because she chose her plan instead of God's plan, Sarai wronged herself. She robbed herself of the opportunity to bear Abram, his firstborn son. 
She robbed herself of the joy of seeing God's promise fulfilled without all of the drama and all of the bitterness and all of the brokenness that came about. And, and ultimately that is still going on to this point today. And I think this is where we see the messes that we make when we try to control outcomes, when we try to force things to work our own way according to our own plans. I have shared with you one of the things that's been most clear for me that God has, has showed is that my biggest problem is the cancer of selfishness. And I shared that through that season, and I, and I believe it today. I believe that at the root of what we see of sin is this, this cancer of selfishness or self-will that, that is infecting our lives. And, and I believe it, going through John's gospel, I believe this is a consistent emphasis of, of what Jesus does. He, I believe he came to set us free from this cancer of selfishness. I believe we consistently see examples of him choosing not to do his own will. I was just reading through John recently kind of with this framework, and you see it over. He consistently makes decisions not to do his own will. When he's presented with an opportunity where he could do his will or he could do what would serve his personal desires or agendas, he chooses not to. He consistently surrenders his will ultimately to the will of God. And, and I believe that as we, we think about, he, he was a human, we see in uh, Hebrews 4.15, he was tempted just as we are. He experienced all of these tendencies towards selfishness that we do. Uh, we read in Romans 15.3, for even Christ did not please himself. For even Christ did not please himself. And ultimately the example that we see of this is Gethsemane. The night before the cross when he says, he has the opportunity, he's presented with the struggle and the, uh, because he, in his self-will, does not want the cross. And we see that, this struggle. His will is not to go to the cross. That is his fleshly, natural human desire. And he says, nevertheless, in this ultimate demonstration of surrender, not my will, but yours be done. And that's why we have salvation. That's why we can have forgiveness of sins. That's why we can have hope today because he ultimately surrendered his will. He died on the cross. And this is the way that we are called to walk as well. Galatians 5.24, Paul tells us to crucify the flesh, to crucify this self-will. And, and this is the calling for all of us. We, we are called to, if we think about the cross in our lives, every day we're to die to ourselves. We take up this cross every single day. We have these selfish impulses. We have these selfish desires. We want things to go our way, on our timetable, according to our expectations. And every single day we have to crucify. We have to nail that to the cross. Every single day, that cancer of selfishness that rises up within us, we have to, to surrender that over and over again. And, and ultimately, that's God's desire for us. What's God's will for my life? What's God's desire? It's to free you from that. And when we think about, I mean, I hate cancer. We've talked about this. I mean, seeing lives lost, seeing people struggle through it. I hate cancer. And, the, and, and for me, that hatred of cancer leads to, man, I want to get rid of it. Right? I want to get rid of that. 
and that can be painful, that can be a difficulty, but, but I just, I want, I want it out of me. And, and I want, what I'm, what I'm trying to get myself to see is to see my selfishness with that same light. I just want it gone, right? I don't want it in me. I don't, I want it, I want it for, for other people around me as well as for myself. And, the, and I believe this is the call that we have as those who are followers of Christ is those who continually are seeking to root out that cancer of selfishness. And I believe this is, again, I think this is God's desire for us ultimately. And the way that that happens is not through lazy days on the beach, right? And, and there are questions that are really hard to figure out. There are questions, why does this happen or why doesn't that happen? And and there's struggles. But what I can say is for all of us, there are opportunities in these struggles, in these times of suffering and difficulty, for that, that cancer of selfishness to be acknowledged. We see it, right? When I have to wait for something, how do you, how do you naturally react when you're having to wait a really long time? For you, all of a sudden, I wouldn't have said I was, you know, that upset or what, but all of a sudden it, it pulls it out of you, right? So thinking of these specifically, thinking about God's pace, when we have to wait, when things aren't coming about on our timetable according to our preferences or our expectations, if nothing else, it reveals that selfishness within us. And it provides us with the opportunity to crucify, right? By the power of the Spirit. And, and to join with God in this work of making us more like Christ. And, and so... Again, I'm not trying to figure out all of these different answers to all of these questions, but in these seasons of waiting, what I can tell you with absolute confidence is that there is an opportunity in that for God to root out and, and, and to, to destroy that selfishness, that desire for self-will, for things to work on my timetable and my efforts. And so this is what, as we come to this time of communion, uh, this is what I believe we're called to do here is as Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us on the cross, we are in response to that as those who have trusted him to offer ourselves as sacrifices back to him. And, and so as we consider our own lives, yeah, no, I think our deacons are, are going to prepare the elements. As we consider our own lives, we have to think what area of my life have I not sacrificed? Have I not surrendered? To his will. Have I not said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so we're going to take just a minute to prepare for that. And so I want you to ask yourself, where in my life is there some plan or some expectation or some agenda that I have not surrendered to God? Where is there some area that I'm trying to hold on to control, right? To make it work my way, on my timing, according to my expectations. And, and, and just ask the Lord to reveal that. And my hope is that this is just an opportunity for us just to surrender those to him. If you didn't get the elements when you came in the Lord, if you would just raise your hand wherever you are. We've got our deacons who are coming through, and they will make sure you get those. But let's just take a moment of prayer just to prepare our hearts before we celebrate communion together. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.